1: On today's episode, I am talking with Sadaf from Your Being, a psychotherapist, about how to communicate effectively to get your needs met, manage conflict, and improve your relationships.
2: Support, um, very, very important need. If you are in a relationship where you don't feel supported uh, through words or actions, you are not going to have connection. And connection is ultimately the biggest need that we try to you know, work towards in a relationship.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family children relationships mental health and pop culture hear from a variety of medical professionals psychological experts authors celebrities and other parents with inspiring stories you'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered you'll laugh you'll cry you'll learn and you'll have fun I am so excited to have you here today because we are going to be talking all about relationships and how to communicate better with our partners to have a better relationship. Asking for a friend, obviously, not me. (laughs) But welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for
2: having me. I'm very excited for our chat today.
1: Yes, me too. And like I said, I I kid and I say I'm asking for a friend. I feel like I get that a lot with a lot of my clients that come and talk to me and, you know, friends that have questions and they, you know, say things like, well, I just want to know, you know, things are good in my relationship, but I just want to have these things in my back pocket. And I think that happens to all of us. And I joke in my marriage because both my husband and I are Trained, we're both licensed. Um, He's a clinical psychologist. I mean, we're we're therapists that work with couples and individuals for a living and help give them the tools and help them have better relationships in their lives, whether it's with a parent, their their children, their you know spouse, partner, whoever. Um, But being married to someone who's trained doesn't mean that you actually utilize those tools in real life. So it makes it tougher, I think, sometimes when you have the tools and then you don't use them. So um, I'm really wanting to glean from your wisdom today. Practical ways that individuals can communicate with each other um, to better their relationship. So I've seen a lot of your work online. I'd love to start with asking you about how to respond rather than react in a relationship. I feel like that could make it or break it. Will you explain a little of what that means to respond other than to react?
2: Absolutely, I love this question and it's actually a big part of my work, especially because I work with young adults. And that's a time when a lot of people are learning the differences and gaining a lot of independence. So responding is different than reacting because it requires you to emotionally regulate yourself. A reaction is typically based on triggers, which sometimes we're not even aware of what those are. And examples of what that looks like could be rolling your eyes, giving someone the silent treatment, making a mean or passive aggressive comment versus a response it can look like pausing in that moment and you know being curious about why something is happening instead of operating on an assumption um it can look like clarifying walking away um asking someone you know what they need or stopping to say hey this is how i feel you know this is what i need so typically I think the first step to responding versus reacting is to kind of just stop what you're doing in the moment. Um, That also takes a lot of practice because, you know, sometimes a trigger happens when we're writing a text or we're in the middle of a conversation. But I always think that pausing and learning to be comfortable with taking that one second pause sometimes or three second pause, it's an essential first step. Um, And that also then makes room for the next few steps, which include things like soothing yourself. taking that three second deep breath, um, counting to ten, you know, tapping if that works for you um, or even using your words. And in that kind of moment that you take, you check in with yourself and you you know, ask yourself, what is going on in my body? Right. Um, a lot of times people will use a very large emotion like anger. I feel very angry. But sometimes what I find is that there are hidden feelings underneath that anger. And you can identify if you actually take that pause to say, I'm actually feeling jealous, or you know what, I'm feeling abandoned or lonely. So kind of asking yourself, what's going on in my body? Does this remind me of a different moment? You know, am I operating on assumption? What's the fact? What's the feeling? Um, And that helps you really soothe yourself because sometimes all you need is a validation. You know, it makes sense that I feel angry or, or jealous. I've, asked my partner not to do this before. So the fact that it keeps happening, I have a right to feel this way. Um, and if you can't do that in the moment, cause it's hard, sometimes you can just affirm yourself. You know what? I feel really sad. I feel really lonely. Um, and what that really does, it just allows you to be attentional about what you're going to do next. Because if we act on impulse, um, We often don't think about what we're doing because we resort to what's our like automatic behavior. Um, Right. Because of reaction.
1: Yeah. And that's
2: hard. I think I feel like that's hard
1: to do in the moment. That's hard to not react emotionally. When you're upset, right? Um, it's, it's hard to stop and think and be intentional and mindful and take that breath. And I also think it's hard for people to ask for their needs to be met. I think it's really hard for for couples, especially, to say, "This is what I need." Okay, so recently, you had a post that talked about relationship needs, and you listed seven things that relationships need. Will you go over those and, and explain why those are so important?
2: Absolutely. I love this question. So, I want to preface it by saying that people have all kinds of needs depending on their personality, their biology, uh, cultural background. Um, But what I found in my practice with individuals and in couples is that there are about six or seven needs that are kind of, you know, across the board uh, things that you really need in order to have a successful relationship. Um, Now, everyone may need different varying amounts of these needs, but what I find is that people really need acceptance, autonomy, security, support, connection, affection, and I'm oh empathy. I think I got all seven. And yes, I kinda well, the list I have too. I love okay. I love it. And they're so yes.
1: important too, yes.
2: Yes. And, you know, like I said, everyone has different amounts that they need for these things, um, but everyone needs them to some degree. And in some relationships, you know, both partners are on the same page about how much and sometimes it's not. And I think it's always okay. If you're not on the same page right away, this is part of, you know, the whole process of being together and figuring out what it means. Um, but I'll quickly run through what all of them mean. Cause I don't know if everyone has a good sense of, you know, for example, well, what does autonomy actually look like? What does, support, empathy actually look like in real life. So autonomy is really just kind of allowing someone to make individual differences. And this is usually based on their own preferences, um, their own personality, um, what are their own values and their goals. Everyone that you are in a relationship is not going to have everything the same as you, but having a conversation about, hey, what makes you, you is super important. And that one also goes hand in hand with The need for acceptance, which is this feeling that you get when you're with a partner or even a friend that kind of shows you, hey, I can be who I am, and that person will take me for that. Um, I'm enough. I don't have to be more of something. I don't have to be less of something. They accept me for who I really am. And what this actually does, the autonomy and the acceptance, they actually help pave the path for tons of other um needs and another one of those is empathy which is really just your and your partner's ability to kind of reflect back the feelings of each other and it's really important to note that these feelings do not have to be shared they just have to be understood and accepted um a lot of times you know i'll work with couples who will say well you know i can't i don't really agree with this and so i can't understand why they'd want to do this and i always ask them can you actually understand and agree and kind of treat them as two separate things? Like, I understand why you want to do this. I would not want to do this, but I can understand why maybe you resonate with this. And that really increases like the connection. Um, other needs, affection. I think that one is pretty you know, obvious. Uh, that really just refers to any kind of warm words, actions, you know, that, each partner really needs. And sometimes this is based on love languages. Um, so sometimes people really want words. Sometimes people really want, you know, hugs and cuddles. Um, it really just varies. Um, other needs that I miss support, um, very, very important need. If you are in a relationship where you don't feel supported, uh, through words or actions, you are not going to have connection and connection is ultimately the biggest need that we try to, you know, work towards in a relationship. Um, did I miss any of the needs?
1: Um, security. Did we touch on security yet? Oh,
2: um, security. I really think about just being safe with someone. Um, for some people, you know, relationships are not physically safe. Sometimes it's a little bit more clear if there's abuse, physical abuse, but it's trickier because sometimes security comes from being emotionally safe. Um, if you are in a relationship where someone is always questioning you, doubting you, maybe you believe you're being gaslighted, right? Those Mm -hmm. are not emotionally safe for you. And that's going to make you not feel secure with your partner. That could lead to all kinds of things. Um, trust issues, um, you know, you not being able to be vulnerable with them because you're just not sure if that person is going to be there for you when you share something very meaningful to you. Exactly. And
1: I know if my husband were listening to this episode, he would probably add one more, which would be respect. (laughs) Um, there's the the couple things that he says that, you know, that he, he personally needs, Mm -hmm. um, and I know the list is fluid, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, that that couples need respect, and I feel like I need that too. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to be respected by my partner um, in order to feel like I'm worthy, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that's something that's really important to him. So I'd love to add that to the list as well for anyone who's you know jotting down their their <laughs> on their pads of paper right now as they're listening. I to love this. that. But how do we go about getting these needs met? Like I said, I feel like asking for needs um, and asserting ourselves, especially to someone like our partner who we, we want these things from, but I feel like they're really hard to do. So how would you suggest someone going about doing that? What, and it could be with a parent or even a friend, but how do we get these needs met?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think what I always say to my clients is if you struggle with expressing your needs, put it into an I statement. And that's a big ask for someone who didn't grow up hearing words or phrases be told to them with the experience of someone's like personal, you know, mind frame versus an attack. So in order to do an I statement properly, which I'll talk about the formula in a second, but in order to do an I statement properly, the first thing you need to do is identify what is actually going on in your body um, with your emotions and your feelings. And the more vulnerable that you can get. And I always tell my clients, you know, if you imagine yourself as like an onion, you want to try to get to the center of the onion as much as possible and peel back the layers when you're using an I statement, so the other person can really understand what you're going for. Um, So totally fine to feel angry, but sometimes, like I mentioned, anger can really be an umbrella term for things like jealousy or loneliness. So if you can first identify what you're doing and what behavior is making you feel that way, then you have two important components for being able to express your needs. Um, So the formula for an I statement is, I feel blank when you blank, I would rather you blank or could you blank instead? Um, And the blanks I'm going to fill in for you. So I feel this is where your emotion goes. When you, this is where an objective behavior goes. So an objective behavior is something that generally can't be debatable. For example, I feel hurt when you slam the door. You either did slam the door or you didn't. You can't put an assumption like, I feel sad when you don't care about me, because that is an assumption and it's not really a fact. Um, and this one isn't necessarily to be saying you need to have evidence for certain things. It's really about showing the person what behavior is not acceptable to you and what you need instead. I feel hurt when you slam the door and walk out in the middle of our conversation it would be more helpful if you could just ask me for space is that reasonable and this takes practice if anyone Oh yeah has been it does which i think everyone at some point has been triggered because well if you haven't been triggered then you need to tell me your secret cuz i need yeah, it exactly <laughs> yeah, i need i need that secret too <laughs> yeah so really it comes down to taking that moment and identifying your feelings putting it into an I statement. Now, you always want the phrases that you speak to feel authentic to you. But what the I statement does is it gives you this foundation to start with before you can put it in your own voice. And I always say, you know, try to make it sound like you because you don't wanna sound like a robot. But if you can't do that, it's okay to sound like a robot instead of saying something that is like, you're terrible because you just always walk out and slam the door. It's really annoying, stop doing that your partner is going to feel attacked, you Exactly. Know? and it's not vulnerable. You're not really telling them how that's impacting you. You know, sure right. you're saying you're annoying for doing that, but you're not saying that you are annoyed. So it's just a good way to take that ownership and, you know, make it almost easier to express your needs. Um, but it, but it's still hard.
1: It is hard. And I think there's an assumption out there that being vulnerable means being weak. And if you're weak, then your partner's winning.
2: Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. And then you kind of get into the you versus me mindset. Exactly. Like, you, like us versus the issue or whatever we're dealing with
1: exactly like if i'm going to be vulnerable with you then i'm putting myself out there and that means that i'm weak and i'm losing the fight i'm losing the mm-hmm. argument whatever it is right or i'm not going to be heard unless i'm loud and you know and, and when you're in an argument with someone you know mm-hmm. you you are upset it might be the umbrella the secondary emotion but you know the primary might be jealousy or abandonment or mm-hmm. you know some sadness of some kind but you know you still have that that explosive uh, emotional reaction that, you know, you want to accuse, you are this, you are that. And maybe they are, right? <laughs> maybe, you know, they are immature or they are whatever you're accusing them of, but like you said, it, it makes the other partner get really, really defensive in, mm-hmm. instead. So going yeah. back to our original point of being responsive rather than mm-hmm. reactive.
2: Absolutely. So
1: yeah, you out, av- you mentioned lately too, that I, I love this and I really want to share it before we go on break five simple phrases that will improve your relationship. So again, if whoever's listening out there, get your pad and paper out. You Mm -hmm. want to write these down. And I feel like I want to write them down on a post-it and just put it up in my (laughs) closet or on my bathroom mirror and just literally memor like have them until I memorize them because these are such kind of like how your form you know the formula um you know for the i statement formula mm-hmm. you know I think these are just really good to practice and so they become more natural and they become um you know more innate when we are upset we can yeah. just say one of these so will you explain what I'm talking about cuz I I know what they are and so I'm excited and I'm going off on it but I want you to explain Um, those five uh, simple phrases that will improve your relationship.
2: Absolutely. And I really loved how you just said, you know, you have to like really practice it before it comes innate. Um, Because I'll be honest, even as a therapist, I still need to remind myself of these tools. You know, there are some things that have now just become natural, but it takes time. You know, I mean, they say it takes 21 days to make a habit, just like going to the gym and being consistent. You just, this is what you need to do for your emotional muscles as well. Um, But to answer your question about some statements that I think are necessary for every person in a relationship to practice, whether it's friendship, family, uh, romantic. um, The first one, I think, is just a simple apology and not just an apology like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, if I hurt you. Really just being very clear. I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for raising my voice. I'm sorry for being late. Really take ownership. You know, I was wrong for X, Y, and Z, be a specific and don't put it back on the other person, meaning like, you know, I'm sorry that you are mad about this. You know, right. I think that's not really taking ownership for the action and intention does matter a little bit. You probably, most people aren't intentionally trying to hurt people. That's what I believe. And so it's really just important for us to realize that we may not have the intention of hurting someone, but our actions can still hurt someone. And we should be really sorry for the pain that a specific behavior caused. And it's also okay to say, you know, I'm sorry for this, I didn't mean it, but I know it still caused you pain. That acknowledgement, it doesn't make you weak and it doesn't make you any less than, it actually just makes you very secure to be able to say, you know i accept responsibility for this action and now i know what not to do again exactly um, and then you know just kind of adding on to that one another phrase is just kind of helping someone restart the conversation uh you have a conversation with someone that starts off pleasant one person gets defensive another person yells someone uses an attack you can start over you can simply say can we redo this can we start mm-hmm. over um we didn't get off on the right foot or you know what, I was just kind of interrupting you a lot. I wanna start over and I wanna make sure I don't do that. So simple, so easy, but it really sets the stage. I believe it was the Gottmans um, that did some research on this and they found that the way a conversation starts can typically predict how it will end. So if you're starting off attacking or being cruel or you know, passive aggressive, there's less of a chance that you're going to end with like a solution or a connection versus if you start off on the right foot, you're more likely to kind of end with, you know, something positive. Right. Um, OK, let me think. Another thing that I think is really nice to kind of really say almost on a daily basis, if you can, is thank you. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciated when you took the trash out without me saying it. We're often just talking to our partners about the things that we don't like, the things that bother us. And really, when you think about all the ways you want to connect, a thank you is sometimes the easiest thing to do. And it shows a lot of security in yourself because it means that you're attuned enough to recognize that. Um, I'll have couples who will say, you know, I did like six good things today and they only focus on that one negative thing. Yes. Because we're so used doing it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. With friends too, with family, you know, we just, we do this and it's okay to point out things that you didn't like, you know, this is not to say only talk about the good stuff, but if you're going to say, or focus on the negative, you've got to find that balance. Right. Um, easy, but it, if you don't have a habit of doing it, then it, it is something that I think takes a little bit of practice. Um, exactly. Another phrase that I really encourage my young adult clients to do, especially if they struggle with people-pleasing tendencies, is kind of telling someone with a boundary, like, this isn't usually what I prefer. Can we try this instead? Um, a lot of times, you know what i notice is that especially you know young adults in their 20s they will avoid saying the solution to something because you know they think it's too needy to be very direct and what they'll sometimes say is like okay i'm not okay with this or they'll go along with it but it's so much easier when you offer a solution instead of you know wanting your partner to kind of guess what you want and you know just tell someone how you want to be supported so you know, we something so simple, like, you know, we've been eating Italian like three days in a row. Can we actually get Mexican food tonight? And it's so simple. But this like, food thing is like an example that actually comes up a lot. Because one partner will say, Oh, well, they're always just shutting everything I say down, but they're not really offering solutions. So if we get into practice of just being direct about what we want, it's just better for you you're learning how to express yourself you're learning how to figure out what you want and you're taking the guesswork away from your partner you just have all that capacity then to just connect um and then i guess like speaking of boundaries you know like if you're gonna say a solution that really requires first for you to just say what you're not comfortable with Um, This is something that is very difficult for people to do, especially in the beginning of relationships. But for some people, this is something that they struggle with throughout the course of a relationship. Um, They are afraid of their partner's reaction to something, or they grew up in a household where their opinion didn't matter. So they never got comfortable saying, hey, I'm not okay with this, or, you know, this is crossing a boundary for me. And that one is really hard. Um, In the start of a relationship, it's very normal to have very different ideas and you know it's everything that you do in the beginning is based off of your past and most people have very different upbringings and past so once you get comfortable saying hey I'm not okay with this or I prefer this almost on a daily basis until you know there's a nice rhythm going I think you're gonna be you're gonna be not authentic to yourself And that's exactly. It is.
1: I I, I love your tips and you have more on your Instagram and we'll share that at the end so people can look that up. And, you know, if they didn't get a chance to write it down, they can easily go there and, you know, get all of your, your tips saved on there. We're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to come back. And I'd love to talk to you about your five tips to help manage conflict in relationships. We'll be right back.
2: Okay, so I would love to talk to you about the
1: one of the latest posts that you had about five tips on how to help manage conflict in relationships. Obviously, conflict comes up a lot. Um, no one's perfect. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when it happens. And speaking of Gottman, and you know all the education we both have on on on, on both the Gottmans and all the work that they do, but especially mm-hmm. John Gottman um, when it comes to conflict. And I remember one thing, you know, going to school and him saying, "It's not how much you fight; it's how you fight." and mm-hmm. how you repair at the end of, of, of an argument, right? Um, so can you give those those five tips? I would love to share them with this community.
2: Absolutely, this is such an important concept to really understand. I actually wrote down the tips for you, so I would make sure I didn't forget one for this one. Um, this is something that can be used across so many different types of situations, not just romantic relationships, but it can also be really helpful at work, um, friends, if you're a part of an organization, it's really just great tools to have. So my number one tip for managing conflict is identifying what the actual topic is so you can stick to it. Um, So what this really means is when you're bringing up an issue, even though it might bring up other feelings for you for other things that happen, it's really important to kind of stick to the topic at hand. So you can untangle that before, you know, merging it with so many other things, because it's very common that one issue will bring up old feelings or something that was unresolved can easily, you know, um, interrupt dealing with this conflict. And the more things you try to do at once, what happens is you kind of become, well, first of all, more mad <laughs> because you're yes. thinking about all the things you're upset about, but then you don't always resolve what it is that started the issue. Um, So that's the first thing is figure out, well, hey, what am I actually upset about? Let's talk about this. Second, you wanna make sure that both people have an equal opportunity to be heard. And this one seems like common sense, but really what I've realized is that everyone has very different ways of speaking to each other. Um, I've seen people who are very concise. They will say like three sentences and be done with it. And then there's people who will speak in paragraphs. And what will happen to the other person is that they're gonna get lost. They're not gonna remember the first thing that was said. And they'll maybe remember the second thing. And then, you know, that person can then not summarize They're not able to get all the human emotions that were covered. And it's really a disservice to both people. It's a disservice to the person speaking because they're not gonna have a chance to be fully understood. And it's a disservice for the other person because it's kind of robbing them from really understanding their partner. And um, one thing to note here is that sometimes um, people do kind of have these elongated ways of speaking almost as a defense mechanism. Um, and in those moments, it's really important to kind of organize your thoughts. So if I know a client tends to do that and they want to bring up an issue with a partner, I'll say to them, you know, make a bullet point list, organize your thoughts before you go in, because don't you want to be understood? Um, and you know, the other thing is sometimes another person interrupts a lot because they, they need to understand better and some One person might find it offensive because they don't get a chance to speak. So there's a lot of different tools you can do that. Um, Two of my favorite tools that I tell my clients is um, to hold some object, either like, like a little something soft like a pillow or a remote or a pen and whoever has that in their hand is the one that's speaking and then if you get a timer not to be super restrictive but some people really need this or one of those um like sand things that you flip over for time and yep. you set it like you can speak for 3 minutes or 2 minutes while you have this pillow what that prevents is from one person like monopolizing the conversation and it allows the other person from you know not being interrupted because Whoever has the item speaks and they speak until their time is up approximately. And this way, both people kind of have an equal chance to speak and understand.
1: And I think it makes it more intentional, right? I mean, I think yeah. it makes it more mindful of what you're going to say next or if you're actually really listening instead of mm-hmm. being so in the moment that you're talking over each other and then no one really even knows what's going on. You're just trying to be heard because you feel like you're not, and yeah. it almost makes things worse. So I think that definitely you know makes your conversation definitely more intentional, more mindful, um, you know, to be more in the moment mm-hmm. to, to ensure you're actually listening to your partner and that they're listening to you, right. Um, So that makes me think of of one of my last questions Mm -hmm. on how to validate your partner even when you don't agree. I feel Mm -hmm. like that can be really hard. Um, Maybe people aren't even aware that they're invalidating their partner. Maybe, you know, it'd be a shock to them to think that they actually were doing that. But You know, When we're in the midst of an argument, whether it's, like I said, with a parent, I think it's easier to do it with with your own children um, as a parent, but maybe it's conflict with your parent. Maybe it's conflict with your partner or spouse, Mm -hmm. Um, but how would you suggest someone can validate their partner even in the middle of an argument or if they really don't agree? And some people walk away and say, we'll just have to agree to disagree, but I feel like that Mm -hmm. still leaves that conflict wound a little open. Um, Mm -hmm. So what would you suggest on how to go about doing that?
2: Yeah, this is such a good question because you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't um, at how many times people will say, no, I can't validate this because I don't agree. This is not what I believe. This is not my value. I, you know, I can't validate you. And it's just not true because validating just means that you are normalizing their experience a little bit with empathy or, you know, just like the you know, understanding that as a human, conflicts impacts both people. If you're having um, an argument or disagreement, both people are impacted by that. And it doesn't feel good for either people. And a lot of times when there's resentment in relationships, one person will say, you just love picking a fight. And, you know, sure, maybe some people are more prone to picking a fight, but picking a fight is usually some kind of call to action of I'm in pain. I'm hurting. And, you know, the only way that I feel hurt is if I bring it up in this loud, drastic manner. And so if you can humanize your partner in that moment and say, okay, they're operating from a place of pain, you know, it's uncomfortable for them, then maybe it's easier to kind of validate them and and normalize their feelings. And when I say validate, when you disagree, I'm not talking like you have to just, fully go in and what they're saying, something very simple, like, okay, I understand this is confusing, or I can really see that you're upset by this. You don't have to agree with what they're upset about, but you can still say, I can tell you're upset and you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's not a good feeling to be upset. And that empathy is important because every single person knows what it's like to be upset. Um, if something really, you know, scary happened, that sounds really scary. And even if you wouldn't be scared, you can still say to them, I'm really happy that you're okay. Or, you know, if someone had an accomplishment, um, and you don't think it's a big accomplishment, but you know that it is for them, I'm proud of you. Because a lot of things are relative. And the more we understand relativity in our, you know, relational awareness, then we can just have better ways of validating and knowing that we can disagree with someone and still be there for them it doesn't mean you're agreeing with their point of view and if it really bothers you you can even say that you know i haven't had the same experience as you but i can tell that this is really difficult i you know don't know what this feels like but i want to hear what it feels like for you or you know when i went through this it was different but that doesn't take away from the fact that. This is your experience. Tell me more about that. And you I know sometimes that. and sometimes you don't even know necessarily what the other person is experiencing. So maybe even right. having that open dialogue to say how has this been for you? Right. Sometimes these simple statements just make such an impact.
1: They they really do, and I think even just one thing we didn't touch on. I know we're running out of time, but one thing we didn't touch on um, that I think is one of the hardest things to do in a relationship is be accountable and take ownership for our Mm -hmm. own actions. It's so easy to blame the other person, but it's so hard to actually say, you know what, I Mm -hmm. messed up, and I'm sorry. And your partner could be livid with you, or your parent could be livid with you. Mm -hmm. Then it's really hard to kind of put your tail between your legs and say, yeah, I'm I'm I messed up, you know. Um, it's yeah. just it's just human nature, I guess, to not want to admit being wrong. But like you said, I don't know anyone who really likes conflict. I know as a you know, psychology <laughs> expert, um you know, we can we can dig into that in a whole separate episode on why people might bring up conflict and how that is sometimes, yeah. you know, what they know and, you know, the security behind that. But at the end of the day, you know, I think if anyone were to really choose, would you rather be, you know, not in conflict or be in conflict? I think most people would choose, I don't want to be in conflict. So, um, but you gave such amazing tips today that are just going to help so many people out there. Uh, you know, like I said, if, if whoever is listening, if they didn't get a chance to write things down. Listen to the episode again um, because there's so many good nuggets in there of, like you said, some very simple, practical phases that really could could ultimately change the dynamics of their, of a relationship. Where can people find you for more tips um, online and whatnot so they can be in touch with you?
2: Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, you can check out my website, which is just my first and last name, .com, or my Instagram page, which is at your.being. Um, I try to post content regularly and, you know, we talked about this at the start, but I love sharing very practical tools because a lot of mental health stuff that I see in social media is abstract. Feel your feelings, create space, and I'm always left with, well, how do I do that? What's the first step? Um, Or even when people say, like you mentioned, be accountable. For a lot of people, it's, well, where do I start with accountability? Um, so my job is to really kind of break that down and put it into micro steps that are like practical and you can actually apply them in your everyday life because that's kind of support that I need. So I love sharing. Exactly. That
1: yeah, well, I love it too, and I, I'm not big on theoretical <laughs> um, explanations. I like to know <laughs> step by step exactly what to say or what to do because um, that just seems more tangible, right? And um, you know, as as we're talking about relationships and conflict and things like that, you know, I just want to normalize that it is normal to have conflict in relationships, no matter who it is with. Um, conflict is normal, and it's okay. It's not going to make or break a relationship, as Gottman said. Like, you know, it's not how much you argue; it's how you argue. It's how you speak to your partner. It's how you treat your partner in in an argument. And I also want to mention that it's okay to take breaks. If you need a break and you need to emotionally regulate yourself before you come back to your partner to have a resolution or even to talk it through, if you feel like you're too reactive and you need to take a step back. It's fine. Just make sure you come back to it. You know, maybe say I need 10 minutes. Set a timer, come back in 10 minutes or let's talk, you know, tomorrow but at a certain time and don't keep avoiding it, you know, you know, come back to that situation. But it is okay to take a break and to regulate. I know a lot of couples I've worked with in the past do that when their spouse is drinking mm-hmm. and one of them has, you know, an altered perception of things going on because, you know, their their body is filled with those toxins. So once both people are sober, they come back maybe the next day and have a conversation. So it's completely okay to do that. Um, I just want to make sure I mention that. Yeah. So thank you again for all of your wisdom, all of your time today. Again, love your tips. Please go follow her um, and check out her tips and, you know, make sure that you utilize them. Really practice them. Like we said, they do take practice. Mm -hmm. You're not going to get it the first or maybe even the fifth time. So keep (laughs) practicing those steps and you'll get there.
2: Thanks again. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.
0: choose a sleep number smart bed because no two people sleep the same only the sleep number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your sleep number setting the climate 360 smart bed is so smart it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature jd power ranks sleep number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store and now save 40 percent on the sleep number special edition smart bed for a limited time for jd power 2023 award information visit jdpower.com awards to find a store near you visit sleepnumber.com